We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. <laughs> human, human, human something. I've, I've, uh, usually the thing is, usually I'm, uh, I like staying at home. But now that I have no choice but to stay at home, it's like, man, fuck this. My life has not changed at all. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good. You thrive. This is this is this is your uh, this is your show. That that's that's all that's all you do. That's, These are the just... fucking loner Olympics, and I'm going for the gold. <laughs> man, so, see, I'm different than you guys. I just hit my wall. Um, I messed up my ankle yesterday for no apparent reason. And so now I'm just I'm icing my ankle while I can't move on the couch all day. It's it's really it's really starting to get to me. That's Sam, real... you're the problem. You're the problem. Like I've known this guy <laughs> for like five years. So I was twenty like three when I first knew Sam and, and every time as he gets older I hear all this shit. Hangovers get worse, he's spraining his ankle for no reason. This concerns me as now I'm in my late twenties. He's turning into Al Bundy, it's funny. But, uh... Watching 2000, uh, the, the finals, game seven from 2016. Al Bundy would never do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> just gotta, just gotta run back. Uh, what was it like? Uh, game three versus Houston in 2015 when Steph went for 40. Just run that back on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I did just watch uh, game seven again. Yeah, that's still, that's still good. Which yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are, there's one game seven we don't talk about on this. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I figured. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And with and with further ado, uh, introducing us to our uh, 
guest this week, Miles Brown. Miles, how you doing? Um, I'm inside. I'm doing my part. <laughs> you're not. Uh, you're not out there. Um, God, the, the images you just see of people in the parks are just amazing. It's like it, they think social distancing is like looking at their phone when they're outside. Like, oh, see, I'm not talking to people. I'm not. I'm not interacting. I mean, most people are selfish or stupid. So, part <laughs> yeah, for the course. True. Uh, I want to get to um, actually a little bit on that game seven, but for our listeners who don't know you, Miles, like uh, Andy and I've followed you for years. You're probably the funniest person who like chimes in once a day on NBA Twitter. Um, and then I've, I've read your work, be it from like Free Darko to GQ and stuff over the cool. years. But back in the day, Free Darko. I feel like Free Darko is like your and my like prime of being into blogging, Andy. Yeah, um, I, re- I remember that. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, Miles, for, for people who aren't familiar with you, give us a little background. I don't know, man. I'm just a guy. I, <laughs> I, I was in the right place at the right time. The uh, the internet started popping right when I decided I didn't want to get a real job, and I didn't have to. So, yeah, I covered the NBA for, I don't know, ESPN, Slam, GQ, True Hoop for a little bit. Had our own blog on there, covering the Wolves out in Minneapolis. And, yeah, now I work in advertising, just saving lives one fucking brief at a time. <laughs> well, let's uh, before we go, I have a question because the first thing I think about, uh, I don't know this on the on the rundown, Sam. So I'm maybe taking over here, but I'm very curious about when I when I first joined Twitter. This how I felt. I felt, and I don't know about the listeners. Maybe some of the listeners are, are a little bit more, a little bit older. Some are going to be a little younger, so they don't know. Not, I mean, 100 percent of our listeners are too online. So whatever you're asking, <laughs> they're going to know Miles. They're going to know Miles on the. Uh, They'll like this podcast instead of just us dicking off usually, uh, which is what we do. But um, I, I, when I first joined Twitter, I think back in like, I want to say 2010, 2011-ish, I got on Twitter to like to actually learn stuff, um, to actually like talk about how teams play defense, maybe how like the, the – maybe some psychoanalysis, some fake psychoanalysis. Um, that certainly changed. I want to get your thoughts on just kind of like how did you write about that then or what what was your thought process then um, on how things were written about it, how things were talked about at least on Twitter or even in blogs? Like around 2010? Sure. Yeah, at least that was when I started. Yeah. Word. Um, I think I got in there around like 2008. Yeah. And it was – everything was new. You know, there, there was no other feeling for me personally other than just like uh, excitement, you know? Because usually you're kind <clears> of <throat> cornered off in your little section of the world and you can only talk about the shit that you like with the people who like it around you. But they might not like it as much. They might not know as much. They might not be as curious, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you, you throw everybody in the pool like that, it, it was great. It was just like, oh, shit. You know, I'd never considered this or I didn't know about that. It was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And I happened to work with some good people. I spent a lot of time with Britt Robson covering the Timberwolves during like the worst time to cover the Timberwolves. I think it was like I started the year after KG left. Is this the Michael Beasley era? Yeah, the Al Jefferson, Sebastian Telfair, <laughs> Kurt Rambis, Kevin Love era. And 
You know, I mean, it was just interesting watching like a real actual pro find new ways to spark new discussions instead of just throwing his hands up every night, which is essentially what I, I was doing at first. Just like, this sucks. I want a good team. I want to talk about something fun. I can't keep finding new ways to discuss how somebody's losing. But, you know, eventually you decide, hey, I want to do well at this. You embrace that challenge. And he was a great guy to learn from. But uh, as far as Twitter goes, I, I think I, I tried to put a lot of thought into what I wrote and take it seriously. So when I'm on Twitter, I didn't want to take anything seriously. And that's just where <laughs> I went to just cock off, you know, just tell jokes, yeah. just say the most inappropriate thing, get a rise out of whoever. <laughs> and it was more fun back then. You can't, you can't do that anymore. So yeah, everything's different. Oh, wow, we got we got a full awkward pause. I thought Andy was gonna follow that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's your I, show. I heard I heard I heard Miles say just get a rise out of people, and I immediately thought oh, I just went back to the good times. Yeah, I, I always. <laughs> What's that? No, go ahead. I always I always think we got a podcast that we're doing on a Saturday. We're running back 2016 Cavs Warriors. Listen, wasn't my idea, but. Oh, really? We're it, wasn't doing the Warrior, it. it wasn't the Warrior Guys' idea to do a full pod Fucking series on that final. Fucking Christ. So anyway, we're doing it. And I, and I look back at some of like the stuff that I said and some of the stuff that I tweeted back in 2015, 16. I'm just like, my God. Some of the stuff, I'm like, man, I just – I wanted people to want to fight me at that point. And that, that, was, that was the function of Twitter then. But that was also partly because the Warriors were so good and the guys were so – they had so much fun and were so like they weren't like they weren't cocky in a way that wasn't them. So it just made it more fun to to just be an asshole online. I don't even know where I was going with that point, but I think <laughs> when you said that, that was uh, I immediately thought on that. Actually, I want I want Miles' perspective on this. So they they obviously just re-aired 2016 Game Seven. Mm-hmm. The general feeling, and Miles is a Warriors fan. So he's, he's not from the Bay Area or anything. So I, I kind of want, what was your perspective on that when it happened and kind of where are you with it now? Because the entire Bay Area was just in shock. And then it just turned into a whole thing afterwards. But I remember personally, I was, I, mean, I was watching with my dad. It was Father's Day. And when, when Steve Kerr put in Festus Azili, I I kicked the table so hard and then, and then I was good for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, so we're just talking about game seven right now. Yeah. Oh, well, just like the whole thing, because yeah. I feel like it gets kind of forgotten just how much of kind of a fever pitch the warriors were from like the beginning of the rise to ultimately choking away the finals in 16. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and give you the thorough yet not too long answer. Okay. Um, I never had more fun watching a basketball team than the Golden State Warriors. That It was just new. It was fresh. It was fun. It was clearly immediately going to change the game and the way everybody else played after that. And I think that was, what, the second season. They had just won the year before. They won the 73 games. It was exciting. They were too new to be sick of already. You know, kind of like a, and they didn't right. come together yeah. in some sort of controversial way, like a heat team. And everybody was still enjoying it. 
But then at a certain point, I don't remember like exactly where things turned, but it was just like, oh, okay, you, you liking this a little too much. And then it, it got around, because like Steph is a great guy. You know, nobody, I think the only thing he really gets banged for is, oh, you're not actually that humble, you're cocky on the court, which is like, all right, whatever. It's a goofy thing to argue about to me. But uh, Draymond and the dick kicking is where <laughs> I, I just, I was like, all right, you guys are good. You guys are fun. I'm rooting for you. Don't do this. And I think, what did he do to Steven Adams? He did it like five times that postseason until finally it, it just, it turned me personally. And I feel like it might have even started with the um, the OKC game, the one where Steph uh, hit the 40-foot shot. But like I the that. current of it was uh, Draymond getting into a huge argument with, with, Kerr. with Kerr. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I can never really pinpoint any particular time. But I know by the time game seven came, personally, I wanted to see something historic. I, as much as I enjoyed watching that team, I also wanted to see LeBron James get over the hump and, and do something to kind of balance the scales for a lot of the other moments in his career where people kind of poked at him, where it was just like, all right, you know, it was, it was a classic setup. <laughs> you, you had your, your one man against, you know, this great team in this unprecedented event, I picked my side. I was happy with the way things went, and I have been very unhappy with everything that has happened since then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? What do you mean? (laughs) I mean, that's when everything changed for me personally. Like KD going to Golden State, Mm. it changed the whole conversation. Just in terms of no matter whether you think he had a right to or he was right to, like, whatever. The fact of the matter was we all just kind of threw our hands up and threw away, just fucking punted three years of basketball. (laughs) Just like, all right, they're going to win. It'll be fun sometimes. It'll be boring other times. But there's no mystery to the shit anymore. So the conversation uh, around that, you know, if if Katie hadn't gone there, would have been like a uh, it probably would have been a rivalry for another couple of years between uh, the Cavs and the Warriors. Uh, You never know, but it probably would have been. Uh, actually, might have been even Warriors and OKC, yes. uh, and then Warriors Cavs. Actually, yes. um, but I mean, you said earlier you kind of you work in you work in marketing, you work in advertising. I mean, when you say conversation changed, I, like I'm curious how the conversation changed around like LeBron after that, or the conversation changed around Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. Steph Curry, who kind of is not really even in that conversation anymore uh, in 2020. I mean, I look at it through the prism of LeBron, just because, you know, he kind of is the uh, the marquee guy. And sure. things changed in the sense of, I think a lot of the, the goofy LeBron fanboyism and the, the goat shit that you see, that's just like, mm. it's, it's not even like good faith conversation. I, I think a fair percentage of that comes from the fact that like, some people feel like he got robbed for those three years where we didn't get to see two teams shoot a fair one and, and figure out who was better, where we could actually appropriately gauge somebody who was being called the greatest player of all time, or at least in consideration, mm-hmm. where would you guys go 3-1 on those? Yeah. Yeah. Say you go 2-2 and LeBron James has four titles. Say he gets three off somehow improbable but 
worth discussing. Then you have legitimate conversations about this guy and you know his, his stature in, in terms of the modern era versus a Michael Jordan. Now it's all just, it's a, it starts to sound like excuses and conjecture, but it's because we didn't get to go down that road and find out what it would have actually happened. Yeah, no, this, I, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess when you're busy celebrating as a Warriors fan, you don't, <laughs> you don't think about that shit. <laughs> Andy just got sober this year and stuff finally got hurt. So that's really, that's a different really big wake up call. Really you, big wake up call. You guys had a good run. I'm sure anybody would trade for it, but uh, you know now you got what you got. Jordan Poole, you're not a. Come on, man. I I, I don't go to that school anymore. <laughs> did, did you go? Did you? You went to Michigan? No, no. I just mean uh, like I don't keep up with Warriors <laughs> basketball as much as I used to. Um. Uh, so Steph played one game, uh, and he looked just about ish the same old Steph. So you know, I, we're not here to talk about next season, but uh, you you may want to jump back on. Well, we, we well if next season year. happens, yeah. If next season happens, we'll see. Yeah, one one breath at a time there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so let's let's get to that. So I mean, I mean, Warrior fans are gonna feel like whatever. That's your problem, not mine. But all right, K- KD left in last summer. How do you feel? Do you feel like the NBA has gotten rebalanced? Like let's let's put the fact that the season had to be put on hold because of a global pandemic, which. No one could predict, but you can add that to the list of reasons LeBron doesn't have six titles. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, so some of our friends at ESPN might, but I yeah. personally won't do that. But I mean, so, so we, we, we've <laughs> sorry, I had to. Um, we, we've come out of this era where it's like you know the Warriors are overwhelming favorites, and like you look at the Vegas odds, and they're like one to four, and everyone else is like ten to one. Do you feel like the NBA is actually moving back to a direction of some sort of competitive balance? Because this year's, I mean, we've been watching a G League team, so I don't know that we have the best perspective on it. Well, I mean, that's what I was so excited about this summer, and that's why I was really happy with Kawhi and his decision is that he could have really fucked things up all over again if he would have, you know, chosen to go to a team that made things inevitable all over again. You mean the Lakers? Yes, yes. Okay. And... He didn't. And that made me excited. And so far, it seemed like things were at least playing out towards the top where there was no clear favorite. Everybody had their argument for whomever, but we, we didn't know. That's why we were going to play the game. And if Steph and KD and Kyrie weren't injured, you yeah. might even have a few more teams up there at the top kind of jousting for things. And yeah, yeah, I think... We're as close as we are or have been at least over what, you know, the last 20, 25 years to, I don't know who's going to win. I just want to see what happens. 25 years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm old now, so I I have that kind of frame of reference. No, I mean, uh, can you you imagine if Steph was playing? So you got Steph, you got LeBron, you got Kawhi, and then you got KD versus Giannis in the East. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, like, like that would have been that would have been like I probably you couldn't pick anyone. Like everybody would probably have similar odds. Like you could see, you could probably see the Nets beating the Bucks. You could see the Warriors beating the Lakers, or vice versa, or the Clippers winning. And like, yeah, anything could happen. I mean, a lot of those teams are so evenly matched and kind of have 
such identifiable flaws to pick at that, yeah, you, you split two games and then, you know, that fifth game, who knows? And then you take it from there. Sam and I make a lot of jokes about Giannis, by the way, about how like, well, actually, I may make more jokes about how the NBA doesn't talk about Giannis. You think that's accurate? You think, you, or you think I'm full of shit? Well, when you say the NBA, who are we talking about? Like the media, <sighs> or you know, just like corporate promotion, or I think I it's maybe. Goes, I, I think, think it goes both ways, actually. Like I, I think Andy's partially. You're partially implying like the the flagship uh, uh, media partners the, yes. uh, of the NBA, but also just like in general, I don't know that he evokes. He doesn't evoke the emotion that Steph did. Or... Is he the next KD then? That's the problem, isn't it? Then no, but KD. Evo- Am I wrong in saying like KD had a larger? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, people were more aware of KD in OKC as like the next big thing than maybe the average sports fan is with Giannis. Yeah, I think, I mean, he has a few things working against him. Just one, you, you could say Milwaukee, but like you said, hmm. you, you know, you were just talking about OKC. I, I think it's mostly just that he is a big and bigs don't get that kind of love. We like the guys, whether, you know, regardless of size, I think the distinction between right. him and Kevin Durant is he, Kevin Durant can put the ball on the floor. He can take two dribbles and he can pull up in the mid range which makes him a more dynamic scorer, which is a more harder thing to guard and a more enjoyable thing to watch. So I think a lot of those things go into it. I, I don't know what the fuck is going on over at ESPN. They, they're just, they're, they're, they're bugging right now. A lot of the conversation just seems so catered towards Twitter when Twitter is the wind. And I, I don't know why they keep trying to build on that, but yeah, it's just been a lot of the same conversations ad nauseum. And for some reason, he doesn't fit into that. What What's the model that – I mean, what what is the model? I'm always yelling at Sam in, in the in the text about like different ways like or, – or Sam's doing it to me where it's like what should – but what should they be talking about to essentially maybe promote the league more? Maybe talk about guys like Giannis more. Maybe Luka Doncic more. Maybe just kind of – Anybody outside of the same old – I looked on – I just went on Twitter and I saw a another MVP conversation. When I was in it's, it's just the same <laughs> shit we've heard since 2012. I already know the talking points. Me yeah. and you could get up there and do it. And so that, what can they do? I think that that's where it's on the league, where they really need to stop. I mean I understand the instinct where they were just like, hey, social media is the future. It's, you know, it's the best way for us to corral all of our friends into one group. And we can even put this goofy ass commodified hashtag on them. NBA Twitter, where everything happens. (laughs) The problem is, is then you're essentially, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you're letting the inmates run the asylum. And all those people, you know, we talked about in the beginning where those goofy ass friends that you had to talk about basketball with because there was no internet. Now they're all on the internet. And the interesting thing about like a Twitter or a social media in general is you, you like to think it's a meritocracy where, you know, every voice has its fucking talking points and everybody's words matter. They don't. A, a lot of these people are just saying shit just to get attention. And when the entire model 
of the medium is attention seeking, then you're automatically not having good conversation because everybody's inherently selfish, where it's just my point matters more. My joke is funnier. My meme is great because everyone wants to be the star of the show rather than actually just watching the show. Yeah, definitely. And that's where I, I can't figure out what the end game is to get out of it other than to go the NFL route where there's literally zero attention paid to that. And it's just like, I mean, the NFL, I get into this conversation with people. Do people geek out on NFL strategy because they all play Madden and they all like think they're de facto coaches or is it just because it's been presented to us that way that we just kind of we engage in the conversation around it that way because that's the way it's been presented well, to us for my whole life. Well, Katie talked about top locking last postseason. <laughs> he came. He said top locking, which is not a really it's not really a novel concept, but like people ran with it. I felt like that was pretty cool, even though it was something like not. Even though it was a complete lie for why he scored, what was it, seven points against the Clippers? Katie's always lying. So, so, after that, he scored 50 points in like every game. It, it was a nice little diversion. I mean, I think the inherent difference between the NBA and the NFL is, you know, it's kind of the one we all know, where one guy, you know, can change right. things a lot more. And that inherently just kind of shifts the way you have the conversation about the two sports where you kind of have to be more of a strategist. You need to understand all of the working pieces. And you, you, it's about the whole in the NFL. In the NBA, it's just about this one guy and whether he can carry you and, and be the whole. So I, I, that's where, again, I think it's on the NBA to say, hey, you know, social media, people are always going to have those conversations. It's good for the game. We like, you know, to have a little controversy around things. But we need to make sure that we're doing our best to actually educate and inform our fans, you know, whether it's actually remember those like Red Auerbach things or the fucking Zara, the Telestrator, just my entire life or at least, you know, a good span of it. There was always somebody out there like trying to teach you and to show you that, hey, this game isn't actually just as simple as you think it is. Now we, we almost lean into that and it does everybody a disservice because then you end up having just these really circular and rudimentary conversations that that ain't about shit. <laughs> we ha uh I do remember there was a lot of scouting or at least a lot of video and a lot of just analysis at least when I first started online. Um that's pretty much gone by the wayside now. I think most things at least from a high level like like with a lot of people watching uh, first take and that type of stuff it won't be around that. I'm watching some of the NFL I remember watching this season. I was watching Dan Orlovsky. He's like a trash quarterback. Um, somehow he has a job on like ESPN Live. But like his job is solely to sit there and just analyze plays. And I'm sure he's not the smartest guy, but he's smarter than all of us combined, at least from an NFL perspective. Um, yeah, and so I found it. like if Dell on TV breaking down pick and roll coverages for us. But it's still, I found it fascinating. Well, I, um, and I just, I don't, yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of something interesting. And in, uh, you, you guys know Wright Thompson, right? Yeah. 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 Like uh, back when I was writing more and, you know, I was reading more, I read this thing from Wright Thompson and it always stuck with Great me writer. where he talked about how he wanted to write about sports, but he had to acknowledge that 
God damn it, I don't know anything about sports. This is a lot more complicated than I think. And he consciously made the decision to say, you know what, then I'm going to pivot and I'm going to make sure that I can control what I do know. And I, that's where he became, you know, a masterful profile writer, where he acknowledged what he knew, what he didn't, what he was good at, what he wanted to actually get out of something. And he was intent on contributing to the conversation. And I think what we see now with a lot of this social media shit is we've built a cottage industry on bullshit where everybody can just pretend that they actually do know something when in actuality, you know, just about six to eight basic questions will show none of us know shit. <laughs> and if we could Which, just admit that, then we could have more productive conversations together rather than just competing with each other about like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about, how about ex players? How about, because then I, I find that to be also a lot different between the NBA and really any other any other sport, not even football. I'm talking about like talk about baseball where guys talk about the sport. Yeah, you got like Alex stuff. Rodriguez who had the um, reputation for being uh, pretty <laughs> egotistical. He's like on broadcast now, like breaking down guys' swings, like he like he was a nothing player or something. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that goes back to a lot of these guys that we're talking about. They used to be the man. You know, right. whether we're talking about like a Charles Barkley or a Scottie Pippen or a Paul Pierce yeah. or a Tracy McGrady. And it's a guy who you, he feels like, hey, you know, you change these rules in my favor. I come in here and I play this sport. But at the same time, you know, the other hand of it is dog like that. That was your time and it, it, your time is gone. And this time is now. And instead of talking about how shitty it was compared to what you did, you, you need to, you know, be tasked with finding the good in these things. But then once you sink to the level of, you know, just these fucking water carrying clowns like Kendrick Perkins, then that's where I, I don't even understand what the purpose of the conversation is anymore. Is it just to create tweets? If that's the case, then like, I'm good. Yeah. Just chasing that viral content. Just that's really, it really is just chasing a couple thousand likes and uh, we'll get more into it. Let me let me do an ad read real, real quick. We'll get more into it. Um, we're doing bet online this week. We're still doing bet online. So there's no NBA. No hockey, no baseball, so you might think there's nothing to bet on. Uh, you'd be wrong. So our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, sells hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. So it's all open 24 hours a day uh, for the scumbags and degenerates that got nothing else to do. Uh, it's all online, including their $750,000 poker series. Uh, sometimes I see Sam texting me at 4 a.m. He's up. Uh, he's throwing money in. Uh, the mortgage, all of it. Uh, if you're into props and entertainment betting, I'm up right now. Already, you know, yeah, we're gonna talk about that later. Of course you are. Uh, only telling me the wins, never the losses. But you can still bet. You can actually bet on Survivor, uh, Big Brother. I know uh, Sam's wife always makes him watch American Idol. Uh, stock prices and even the weather. Visit the website and join today to receive 100%, 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Uh, be, be sure to use promo code BlueWire. Then online, your online wagering experts. Online poker is well. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that another time. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you're talking about so former players. I, I do feel like it's a um, th there's a lack of direction with them because I, I I get the perspective. Most of them would probably dial it back if they were ever told you need to promote the sport more than just kind of freelance your opinion. Yes. And I guess I want to take this back to, so you've, you've watched the NBA longer than me and, and Andy, um, which is 
a fancy way of me calling you older than us. Uh, <laughs> it happens. It'll happen to you. <laughs> it's 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 in the, it's in the process. But um, so so I, I guess how have you seen the league change in the way it's been covered since kind of the height of Jordan to now going through all the eras? I think it's kind of fun to go back on it. I was looking at a post that said the 50 highest rated sporting events uh, of the 2010s. And there wasn't a single NBA game in there, which kind of shocked me. I figured at least the um, 2016 game seven we referenced would be in there. But a lot of this, in my opinion, really goes back to the NBA coverage changed when they went from NBC to ABC ESPN. Yeah. I'm, kind of just rambling at this point um so i guess i guess my question for you miles is kind of how have you seen the coverage evolve i don't even know if evolves the right word i mean yeah i'm not sure what the right word is either just because like i grew up on michael jordan you know and that was i got sports illustrated i got sport magazine those are your national publications you got your local paper your sun times your tribune and you got you know your local coverage that was it other than like seeing the game on NBC on Friday. So the narratives were all very like top line. There was no strategy. There was not a lot of, you know, like fluff or personality or any of that shit. It was just like, we're playing games. We're looking good. Let's go around. Like everything was just super siloed. And then in around like, I don't know, I want to say like oh three oh four around that Lakers time. That's when, you know, ESPN and uh, TNT started to get a bit bigger and those kind of personalities started to emerge. You know, that was around when Charles started doing uh, TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he got out there, he was doing his thing. And that's where I feel the genesis of a lot of, you know, the hot take shit or the uh, dare to be different motherfuckers are coming from. I want to be Charles Barkley, but when everybody's being Charles Barkley, then you're not Charles Barkley. You're just another cranky old man. And that's essentially the problem. But again, I I think it's Twitter. I think it's social media that really changed the discourse because we, in good faith, initially decided it was the voice of the fan. And we have to listen to the fan until we realized, you know what? The customer isn't always right. Sometimes the customer is just a fucking asshole. Well, usually the customers are actually. <laughs> yes. Usually it's a user. Usually it's a customer. The, the good faith thing is actually right point because, like Andy mentioned it earlier, and it's it's absolutely true. Everyone, everyone got online and was like, "Oh, this is really fun, and I can have these nuanced conversations." And then slowly, everyone becomes a troll. I and mean, it's just kind of like you're incentivized by it. It's yeah. It, it's part of you know humanity that just kind of like pushes you towards kind of wanting the uh re the like the affirmation you get from like the attention but anyway now we have kendrick perkins on tv (laughs) yeah it just sucks because i used to be a lot more motivated about learning and now it's like i almost avoid these conversations as often as possible because they're just not friendly they're not you know again in in good faith is everything is so competitive the whole model is attention-seeking behavior. And it's just like, why do you think you're more important than the thing that they actually put on TV? I think, uh, I mean, I think one of the, um, 
I think the the high end of this, the pinnacle of this, was Kevin Durant just being online and making it known to people that he was not happy with just whatever it was that he wasn't happy with, but he was just online with it at all times. Everybody's going to be online, but he, I think, was like the the epitome um, of social, of Twitter, uh, affecting. I supported that. You know, I think my thing was like, you should be able to say some shit back, especially, you know, in these days and times when you don't have to be as worried about your brand. You got 300 M's from Nike in the bank. You you, you can (laughs) pop off at the mouth whenever you want to. But the problem was, is it was the right delivery, but kind of the wrong messenger, just because he, as much as he wanted to be, you know, aggressive in correcting people or having conversation, whatever you want to call it, he, he would never be fully honest with himself about what happened in Golden State about how, why he got there and why he left. So it's like, you, you can't be Mr. Truth to Power if you won't talk about the two things that everybody really actually wants to. So if he would have gone all the way with it, I, I think maybe we could have turned a corner. But if anything, these last couple of weeks or months or whatever, have really reaffirmed for me that we're never going back. Like Kobe <laughs> dropped dead and we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the game just shut down and we still are acting like assholes. Change. What's gonna stop it? Yeah, change. You said KD wasn't honest with himself. Give me your theory then. I mean, I think I, I actually I don't, I don't think I know exactly what you're gonna say about um, why I wasn't honest about why I went to Golden State. But why do you think? Um, I remember he was. At least there was a report. You know, I wasn't in the fucking room sure. that he was concerned about how he would be seen. You know, because, I mean, sure, LeBron going to Miami was still pretty fresh in his mind. And I don't want to be hated. I want to win. I like you guys. I'd love to play our kind of basketball together. But what's the point if everybody's going to fucking hate me? And one way or another, you know, everybody's just like, oh, no, no, no. And I think the thing he didn't realize was maybe he thought, oh, well, fuck it. They'll hate all of us. But they didn't. They just hated him. Because the Warriors had already got, you know, a chip and 73 wins off on their own. He was the one who was seen as bandwagon jumping. He got the brunt of that, you know, just ranker or whatever you want to call it. And I'm sure it fucked with him, you know, just because he he really does at his core just seem like somebody to me who just wants to play basketball and continue getting better and win. And I really respect that about him. And I wish that he would have done anything else that would have let us just fully appreciate that instead of this being the headline on his career, you know? Yeah, I think that's – do you remember when LeBron went to Miami in the first season he was, like, trying to be a villain? Yeah. Like, his whole – yeah. And I think that was the same thing with him where – Yeah. I mean, I understand why these guys you know? do these things under the circumstances where it's just like, yo, if I don't – if I don't do this now, I may never win anything. And I'd rather win and be hated than look back as be, and be a loser. I understand that kind of pressure and what it would produce. And I understand when people hate you for it, then you're like, fuck, well, now I got to really lean in and just be the hated guy. Yeah. But that means you, you need to be the honest guy, too. Otherwise, you're just giving people more reasons to hate you. Yeah, and... I, I think it also um, revealed interesting, like, obviously, 
year one with the Warriors for KD was their high watermark in terms of basketball. And, and it was kind of for nothing in some ways, like everyone in the Bay Area is going to look at it and revere it, but it was, it was the inevitable outcome to the rest of the world. And it kind of speaks to people. I don't know if they really care about watching the sport as much as they want the drama around it. So it's kind of like the full circle. Like it's, we, we, he did exactly what we expected him to do in the Warriors system and with this team. And, you know, he didn't leave anything on the table in terms of like, oh, he's not actually as good as we thought he was. No, it was the opposite. He's absolutely as good as we thought he was. But it was the fact that, you know, it felt predetermined that probably got to people. I, I think it was also just the way, at least personally, the way that it happened, where like Kevin Durant, finals MVP, what did he, he got two, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I I, re- I don't remember which one it was, but it's it still just kind of burned in my brain just the image of Stephen Curry like in the corner, and like three dudes running to making sure that he doesn't cut baseline, he doesn't curl over the top, and his man is still just sitting on top of him, and that just leaves fucking Kevin Durant to pick on Kevin Love from the elbow, and he's just jab stepping him, and he's faking him, and he's up faking him, and then he's dunking on him, and it's like. Of course, you're going to look like the finals MVP when everybody's concerned about stopping this other guy and you leave like an all NBA player just free to roam against a horrible defender. Yeah, he's going to put up numbers. But again, that just goes back to dishonest conversations and Steph never winning a finals MVP. (laughs) it's It's weird how these are the ways that we choose to talk about sports now when everybody knows this shit, man. Like the biggest Curry hater, the biggest Warriors hater, they know that shit. But it's just like, this is what gets retweets. This is what's funny. This is, you know, the wound that I can pick at. Well, it goes the other way too. And it's like, you hear that as Warriors fan and you're like, well, you know that LeBron's, <laughs> you know, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, Warrior, you know, to say Warrior, the least. Warrior fans are trying to pick up the, uh, the mantle of uh, Kobe online fans in the late OOs. Oh, I was, I was one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it actually does. um, I want to take this back to basketball and take it to the Warriors here. Where does Steph's career go from here? I I think this is actually like beyond the fact that we're obviously worry guys. It is kind of interesting. Like he, he had, one of like I mean I mean what's comparable to what Steph meant to the sports community from fourteen to sixteen? Like there's there's like Jordan and Kobe and like LeBron's rise are maybe the only ones that like I don't even think because this one it came out of nowhere. You saw right. them coming. They were heralded from the minute you know that we we could legally cover them. Right. But this guy was right under our nose the whole time, and it was just like holy shit. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't watch other sports, so I can't make that kind of comparison. Sure. But the thing that comes to mind is, like, as somebody, it's the most casual football watcher, I would say, like, a Patrick Mahomes, where you're just like, oh, shit, I didn't know you could play football like that. No look pass from a quarterback? What are you doing? Right. You know, it was that kind of excitement from a completely unforeseen guy. So now he's 32. The Warriors are injured. I, I mean, I don't know where they're going. I've talked myself into Wiggins. 
Um, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll get your opinion on that afterwards. <laughs> but like, what do, what do we? Um, where does his career go from here? I guess is is my question. How old is he now? He turned thirty two less than a week. month ago. Yeah, yeah two, two a week ago. Okay, I, I don't know. I mean. Honestly, like my first thought is I don't know how to think about basketball anymore, particularly since hearing like, you know, the cap is about to go down sure. like Walmart low. <laughs> and I don't know how teams build anymore. But, you know, before all this shit happened, I was still very optimistic where, you know, you get Clay back out there, you get Steph back out there. You've got the two greatest shooters of all time. And you got Wiggins. That's going to create open opportunities for him. Can he capitalize on them? And Because the thing about him that I never believed in, and he still hasn't improved enough, he can't dribble to get to the spots that he likes quickly and consistently enough. And he can't create for anybody else quickly or consistently enough. When like, <laughs> yeah, he won't be like, doing either of those here. Right. Yeah. And that's what you kind of need that guy to do is – oh, shit, double team, swing it around, make the open three, or drive and kick to another guy. And, like, I just don't know if he has those kind of instincts. And I don't know if Minnesota is the best place to judge him for that shit, considering there's nobody there to foster those kind of instincts. So we'll see. Yeah, we we got to see maybe 15 minutes of them playing together because Steph literally came back for one game. Then he got the flu, and then the pandemic happened. Uh, And in that one game, you saw kind of, okay, so if he doesn't have to handle the ball because you have Steph and Draymond kind of being the lead facilitators, he can be somewhat effective cutting off them. But then you're getting back to what you're saying, where where he's essentially doing what Harrison Barnes did, and you'd kind of want a little more out of the role. Yeah, I mean, because everything I judge him on is based on that check. And if he was Harrison Barnes and like making 2015 Harrison Barnes money, then yeah, whatever, you know, you get what you pay for. But it's like, nigga, like how deep in the tax are we over you? (laughs) And and I I can't count on you from night to night. That's going to be weird. But again, it's going to depend on how they fill out the rest of those pieces. Because, you know, I'd like to think my joke will stand and him and LaMelo Ball will end up in Milwaukee and it won't matter. (laughs) <laughs> but uh you know one one day at a time it's it, it is a joke miles but uh might might not be a joke it might i mean that that's that's the funnier jokes you know is where yeah. you're just like yeah yeah that might happen yeah, it might actually might actually happen though though maybe they'll talk about Giannis now you know maybe maybe it will maybe stuff will take another uh take another hit on the uh on the shoe sales and the and the finals mvp numbers and uh maybe he'll that would to be the most interesting thing to me because, like, I as much as I like what he's done for Milwaukee and him doing his thing there, I you know, like the idealist in me would want to see him finish his story there. I also right. want to know what would happen if he went to Golden State and like America was like, all right, we get to do this again. <laughs> you know, like the first time when they were, it was no KD, it was you know just a revelation. It, everybody you know just caught the spirit and enjoyed the game. Second time, everybody, you know, just really hated them. So now that that third time, if Giannis is there surrounded by the two best shooters ever, and you're automatically a contender as soon as you sign the contract, I I would want to see how people treat that, considering, 
you know, nobody cared about Giannis before. Yeah. I I would be fascinated to see how Giannis would react because he, he's, he's probably like, he's seen what happened to KD. So he, and KD, I think was kind of a little naive to think like, well, if I win a championship and I prove I'm the best player, they're going to like me. Like he, he thinks he's, he thinks he's like another LeBron. Like he thought he was, he could kind of do that thing. And it didn't happen. And I think with Giannis, he probably, I don't know. Like he wants to go to Golden State. I don't know if he is that naive though. I think there's two things is one, like people don't think of him on that level. So then that's what makes me wonder, like, well, would you get mad at somebody that you up to that point didn't even fucking care about? You know, <laughs> like it can't be unfair now. Then it's like, if, if it's so unfair, then why didn't you care about this guy this whole time? You can't do good faith conversations like that. Though. Right. You know, of that. course. Yes. You know, so then it, the other thing is. I don't know. I forgot the other thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. I think it would be fun. I think he's what, like 26, five? Yeah. Yeah, yeah He's 25. Like you, you could ride that out for a while. The only thing to me, oh yeah, that was the other thing, is he seems to be a very proud person. I think he's very proud of what he's done on his own, so to speak. And he wouldn't want to be seen as weak. He strikes me as that kind of guy. You know, especially considering his whole story and how how he started to where he is now to get that fulfillment, that that championship glory just by, you know, taking the easy way out, so to speak. Yeah, I I think he might see it like that. And that would be the thing that pride would be the thing that gets in the way. Yeah, that 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 would be I mean, Katie's kind of similar too. like it wasn't like KD was. He's similar in that way too, um, but it's just uh, it got to him, and I, and I think because I I, don't, I just I find it hard to believe that he ever saw any of this coming. I'm talking about Durant, and that's the sucky part where you saw it affect him in real time, and I just I guess you saw it with LeBron a little bit. You saw it some stuff affect him in real time, um, but I mean we're just like normal we're normal dudes. When you see stuff affect these guys in real time, that's crazy. Um, it's just like watching a finals game live. I've seen like LeBron, I've seen Steph, I've seen those guys like get a little bit rattled just in a finals game, just cause it's a finals game. You're know, like, Oh shit, these guys are human. Yeah. I mean, KD's just an interesting case because <laughs> it was such a singular case. Like the LeBron thing. I remember in 2011 or whenever that was, he went there. I think it was then I was mad. Yeah, I was mad. I think most people were mad yeah, and it wasn't too. just because oh, he didn't go to my team or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yo, I, I want to see something compelling. And I don't think this is going to be compelling in hindsight. It was because yeah. what they go two and two. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to be. So I, I don't hold on to that as much anymore. The KD thing, we, we were at a pivotal moment in NBA history, whether it's the whole LeBron thing that we talked about or just the possibility of, you know, that OKC and Golden State rivalry. Because, like, I hold to this day, if if OKC would have won that series, they would have beat the shit out of Cavs. I agree. I 100% agree. And then, does he go anywhere? Uh, see, I disagree with you both on that one. Really? I d- you really want me to trust Russell Westbrook game five, six, seven against the LeBron team? Like they're they would have been the better team the first three to four games. I just I go I go back to Russell Westbrook holding the ball 
Yeah, but they, they they were just bigger. They were big and fast. Like like Adams, Ibaka, like those guys would have beat the crap. Tristan yeah. Thompson was an X factor that series. He would have been wiped the fuck out against. And OKC. I mean, if I remember right, if KD would have gone back to OKC, Al Horford would have signed with them. That's right. That was the rumor. So That's if, right. If you roll out Westbrook, KD, everything. Adams, and Al Horford. I mean, like the Cavs weren't that good defensively. No. Like, you're coming at them from too many angles. You're putting too much pressure on them if you are using your roster in an ideal way. And I just, I think they overwhelmed them. I mean, like, who's Kevin Love going to guard? Apparently he can guard Steph at the three-point line. Who's, who's Kyrie <laughs> Irving going to guard, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's, uh, no, I agree with that. It, it, that's also why Iguodala has also said, like, that was the toughest series that they played. Well, that was the toughest team that they played. I would have to rack my mind to think of a more physically overwhelming yeah, Warriors look team small. Than, oh, they look tiny. They look small. They look slow. They just got they got bailed out by two dudes that just don't fucking miss. Game six, Clay. That was the craziest thing I've still ever seen. <laughs> we're gonna do a live rewatch on that one. But that's just they were they were showing that game, and he had that shot where he had the ball like. I want to say four feet behind the three-point line, and Russ just is standing there, like like doing his usual stupid defense stuff. He's just standing there, <laughs> and Clay just looks at him, pauses, and just chucks that shit uh, from like twenty-six right over the head of Russ. And you're just like, yeah, that's that's why the Warriors are better, I guess. Clay is just it's it's hard not to like and respect that dude. He's he's just a fucking dog. He's a competitor, and. He goes home and he smokes his weed and he plays with his dog and he kisses his girlfriend and he comes back out and he does it all over again. That's it. That's his life. And I, I, I salute that guy. <laughs> I think we're just all envious of just finding that much contentment and just that much simplicity. It, also, it, I'd just like to be able to shoot like that. Yeah, it's just wild how he's maximized himself considering, I mean, the guy moves like a fucking marionette. Like, <laughs> he counts his dunks, you know? Like he's not just this he tore, blazing he tore athlete. He's ACL trying to dunk too much. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and that I mean, and he still will. He's the best catch and shoot player ever. And I mean, yeah, he. You never know when he might just. He scared me more than Steph sometimes. Yeah, we have a thing in Warrior where we say that a hot Steph, at least him, uh, a hot Clay Thompson. It gets more hot than a hot stuff. And that's just, it's about the craziest thing that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you can't put a, you can't put a long rangy wing to eventually just kind of turn him into a decoy option. Cause he'll get a shot off against anyone. Anybody. He's big. You forget yeah. how big he is. Well, that, that's kind of why we're, we're a little uh, bullish on the warriors, at least for the next few seasons and thinking that a window is relatively open. I mean, I don't think we have any, we don't think that Andrew Wiggins is going to be any more than he is, I think. But I think even even so, uh, at least you would hope Draymond maybe can figure out how to shoot 30% from three at some point. He's the one who uh, worries me. Just Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched him this season, by the way. It's just I, I saw enough. <laughs> one game. That's all I need. Nah, he I mean, showed up on Christmas. That, that was... I don't know what to call that. Like, if I were in Takesville, it would just be player empowerment gone bad. Where this guy was just <laughs> basically like, yo, if ain't nobody else here, I don't want to be here. And he just kind of kicked it all year. And 
it's like, all right, dude, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an elite athlete, so I don't know how that goes where like, can you really just dog it for a whole season and then just bounce back when you need to? I don't know. We're going to find out. Well, hey, actually, I'm trying to think of a comp, and the only players I can think of are guys who do that, then they end up getting traded, and that reignites them. I can't really think of anyone who's done it and then stayed on the same team. Yeah, it's the circumstances where, like, you know why he's doing it. And as soon as these other guys come back and the group holds each other accountable, he won't do it. But, like... That's just saying, you know, oh, I'm going to eat what I want during this quarantine and, you know, I'll, I'll snap back for summer body as soon as we can go outside again. Nah, dog, it don't work like that. That's not how it works. That's not. Tell Sam that. Good thing. <laughs> this motherfucker, no. Hey, um, you talked about player, player empowerment. I can't believe we didn't bring this up. But um, I didn't watch basketball in the 90s. I was like five years old. Uh, but... Was that a thing? And I guess I asked that kind of knowing the answer. But, like, how's that changed over the years? Like, is this a good thing? Maybe not. Should Adam Silver do something? Would David Stern do something about this shit where he'd just be like, yo, cut the shit where you guys are playing? Like, this Kawhi stuff where he's playing 25 games a season, uh, nobody gives a crap about the Clippers. Uh, but, like, they're probably the title favorites. Like, what? Is, like, what is all this stuff? Like, is this stuff even good for the for the, for the the future of the NBA? Uh, I don't even know how they can fix it. I, I think it bothers me because a lot of it is built on that. That was, that was Sam, wasn't it? Who called uh, NBA Twitter, the white guilt industrial complex. Yes. Yes. I I still love the shit out of that because it's, it's, it's very true. And it's what allows guys to get away with a lot of greasy shit where a LeBron James should seize all the power that he can. Particularly, you know, when he's playing for a, a greaseball like, uh, what's his name, Dan Gilbert? Yeah. Yeah, man, milk that guy. I don't care. Get yours. You've earned that. You deserve it. But when you start to frame these things in players versus owners, and it's always young black men versus old white billionaires, then it becomes very easy for, you know, People like me and other liberally minded progressive people on Twitter.com to make their choices. <laughs> but once once we've allowed that to happen and then everything is, you know, for the good. The players start to act like owners where I'm sorry, I just don't see the difference in. Because like it's about power, whether an owner has the power or GM has the power or the player has the power. Somebody has to feel the effects of that power. And it's generally other players where, oh, yeah, you know what? Pack up your family and get the fuck out of here. Whether it's my GM, my owner, or my teammate doing that to me, it happened to me. Why should I feel better that it happened from one of us, you know? Like, that that doesn't move me. So... On a top line level, like I think a guy like LeBron has earned every right to, you know, try and squeeze as much as he can out of things. But there used to be a system that would keep somebody honest. And now we've kind of built the system to herald the fact that this guy can squeeze everything he can out of something. And it's just like our players are empowered and they're socially conscious and they're they're the fucking, you know, they're all all of these great things. (laughs) Well, and it comes down to accountability. Like you said, if it, if it's like a traditional power structure, the GM can 
you know, for lack of a better word, like be a dick. But they start losing, he's fired. Right. Um, where's, whereas, you know, like I'm just going to pick someone like James Harden. I have no indication he, you know, is playing this like 3D game of chess with moving his teammates around. But like he could do that. He could be wrong. Someone's still going to give him a max contract because there's only like five dudes who can do what he can do in the league anyway. Yep. So it leads to like a system of no accountability. Um, I guess the accountability inevitably comes if the league starts losing money, which Hello. may may start happening. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're there. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I mean, it, it is the same thing because it's you know you're just kind of trying to sell people that they're doing it right instead of just studying moves oh. the way they should be. Well, Nobody, I think the thing was yeah. is like. You know, when you had a David Stern and, you know, you hear about how he rolled shit with an iron fist, I think that a lot of it was because he had to. And right. I, in hindsight, especially a lot of the things that he did were for the good of the game because he was trying to build the game to the point where we could do the dumb shit that we do now. And so then it's hard to judge him and an Adam Silver under the same you know set of circumstances. Right. But if David Stern was still in charge right now, I don't think he I, I think he wouldn't have it just because he would realize whether it was his ego that was offended or, you know, <laughs> his, his delicate sensibilities, fine. But I think overall Probably he both. would recognize this isn't good for the product where we're making, you know, our leagues branding more about what our guys do off the court than on it. That also, also like the couple thousand, hundred thousand people on Twitter that, that are all about it are different than most guys that just watch basketball for basketball. I think my a lot of my friends watch hoop for hoop, watch hoops just for hoops and they don't really watch hoops for whether this millionaire is kind of running his own business. Like nobody really gives a shit, like he's rich anyway. You know, and it, it's kind of that's how most people feel. Yeah, I was talking with my uncle about this. This is where it really hit me. He was asking me what Iguodala was doing and I'm like, "Oh, he got traded." Oh, where's he play? Oh, he's holding out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he, you know he's getting 16 million, so he gets paid to not play. Twitter loved it, and and, it, and I was I was trying to explain like, well, you know, he doesn't want to be there, and he's trying to get traded, and like, so why are they paying him? And that and that was about the point I went, and I was like, hey, you know, Uncle, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a glass of wine. But <laughs> I think, again, it goes back to, you know, at least to some degree. I don't, I don't want to say all of it, but it's a lot of white guilt industrial complex where, yep. oh, no, this guy's empowered and he should do whatever he can to get over on the bosses. It's the same as why we want athletes talking out about everything that they honestly don't know as much as we presume they do about mm. because they, we're fighting against that whole, you know, dumb black jock stereotype. Where it's just like, no, these guys actually are very eloquent and educated and involved. And it's just like, okay, come on. Now we're overcorrecting. Yeah. Where we, we can't just say, hey, you know, this guy is a person. He has other interests. He has other passions. And he contributes yeah. his voice to things where he can. Instead of like, oh, this is what makes our league great. Come on, man. There's, there's degrees. Well, I think that's true. That's modern. Um urban liberal society in 2020 and we're all guilty of it because we all live in cities but it's just the, the overcorrection to like hmm but maybe we should think about this just a little more well, i mean i'm thinking we're fighting like a 1960s um 
civil rights movement. But <laughs> <laughs> well, to, well, <laughs> well, to me, it's like, it's like, yeah, you say all this shit online and it's like the moment you walk outside, like you don't have, like you don't even have a black friend. You walk across the street, you walk to the other side <laughs> of the street. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's, like, no, I'm serious. Like, it's what goofy. are we doing? It drives me nuts. And I, I don't know. Personally. Not even black. <laughs> Asian, but like I could see, like, uh, yes, I mean, like, it's because it's very self evident to like any honest thinking person what's, what's going on, and I don't mean that just because I'm right, it's just because like we've been doing it for too long in the same way where it, it, there's no mystery to the shit anymore. I'm, I'm disappointed in, in the whites, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll always be disappointed, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't but, see that one. I don't I mean, see that one changing. Society we, has hundreds of years. Of but I mean, now that we're here, like that is part of the problem. When we <laughs> just talk about black players through a white lens to mostly white people, then this is what happens. Well, it's, um, I don't even know what the right word for it is, but it's like, it's a, um, it's like a weaponized empathy almost where it's like they're trying so hard to uh, to like show that they're one of the good ones <laughs> it's like at what point are we uh well you're we spending uh... any sort of uh just cognitive ability or just any sort of nuanced thought to sam just is, like virtue signal sam is sam is des- describing the guy in get out the dad in get out <laughs> you know if i could i would vote yeah i would have voted for obama yeah <laughs> yeah for a third term that one had me going that one was that's some special stuff right there i, I just don't I don't understand so much of it. Just when you look at like the way that people literally talk online, where it's just, you know, so much of it is like just this Negro shorthand that like, I know you don't use. Why are you doing this now? Don't tell me who be like. Are you talking about every team account? Yes. (laughs) Or like even the fact that like, how often do I have to see what somebody's wearing, whether it's their clothes or their shoes? It's like, First of all, if I really care about fashion like that, I'm going to go to a more reliable and reputable source where I've already heard about this shit. But more importantly, like the average viewer doesn't fucking care and can't afford it. So like, why are you constantly bombarding me with this fucking goofiness? And the whole subtext is it like, black guys are cool. <laughs> it's like, okay, now what? Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? And it also gets to, like you said, like everyone's trying to fill every lane. I'm like, just just fill your lane well. I don't need you to be my go-to source for like basketball, politics, fashion, and <laughs> and like uh, literature or whatever else interest you have. Like it's, I mean, it's like is it, that's that's humans in a nutshell. But it's also like it's exceptionally funny when you see it from brands trying to be multifaceted, like. Yeah, because, I mean, that's, like, half my job is just, like, trying not to be fucking corny (laughs) every day. But, I mean, that's just a byproduct, again, of the medium where, like, one, we reward attention-seeking, and two, like, we are never satisfied. Like, we just have a bottomless appetite for bullshit. So then you're going to end up with a lot of it. So do do you ever just throw it in and be like, you know what? This is corny, but 
<laughs> no, but I will get a raise. Because, like, well, I mean, are we, are we talking about me, like, on Twitter.com or me at my job? That's your job. You said your job. Oh, well, no. Because, fortunately, okay. there's a system of checks and balances of, like, people with tastes that I have to answer to where I, I can't just press send and, and hope for the retweets, you know? It, it's like... <laughs> Fair. I have to sell my boss. I have to sell the client. I have to sell the director. I have to sell the talent. You know, like everybody has to think, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's go do this. Is there a better, is there a better PR machine than LeBron James? Uh, I mean, it's complicated, right? Because part of what makes LeBron James such a PR machine is that he has so many people working on his behalf, like ESPN. And, you know, because whether it's because it's a mutually beneficial relationship or he's blackmailing somebody, who fucking knows? Who cares? The end result is the end result where it's all LeBron all the time. Yeah. And I don't know if we can give him all the credit for that. But I do know the one thing that I always do give him credit for is 2015. Like, that was the hard one. When you left Cleveland to go to Miami and you had to deal with all of, you know, the stuff that came from that, I'm sure that was hard. And you didn't see it coming. But by that point in 2015, where he saw the wheels were falling off of the thing that he went over to, he was smart enough to go back. Not only because, hey, I have a better team around me that, you know, suits my capabilities at this point in my career, but I'm not going to win six rings. I'm just not. But what I can do is I can write a better story. Yeah. And going back to Cleveland and winning a championship for my hometown after the way that I left them, boom, that, that's worth two, three narratives worth of championships right there, especially considering the way that he did it. So there's lots of things that like he is particularly savvy about, but I think it's just because there are things available to utilize that other guys just didn't fucking have. I mean, I think that's, that's great because to me, it's like, to me, I see KD kind of want to follow some of the paths that that he's done. And it's just like, it's not the same. It's just, it's so different. It's, I, I don't know if it's organic, but it's just, I mean, he's probably the LeBron's probably what the smartest guy in the in the league on and off the court. I mean, in terms of players, like I would say, like I mean, one of probably the best player in the past decade. So it's like shit. Because that's the thing, though, is I mean, I don't know what kind of credit to give a guy like that because a lot of it is just by the nature of his position, you know. Where if you are that famous, that powerful, this much is riding on your back, then you get to make decisions that may look genius, but it's only because they're available to you when they weren't to anyone else. You know, it's not like he's doing things no one ever thought of. He's just doing shit that nobody else could. So is that smart or is that just advantageous? Is it opportunistic? He's also got the personality for it or just the temperament for it. That's the, I think that's the, the key divide between what, between him and KD. He wants the spotlight. Um, yeah, KD. I don't even know. I can't, I don't even know if KD wants it. I don't even know if KD knows if he wants it. KD wants, KD wants the reverence that his peers have for Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And he deserves it in terms of 
his talent level basketball-wise. Like, but I think he kind of missed – his peers have that reverence for Kobe not because of – a lot more to do with like his work ethic than how gifted he was as a player. Or I don't know. It, it seems I mean, like a mix of that. But like, I mean, if KD had come back from that Achilles or that calf injury and, and won and, and won a Finals MVP, I mean, he might, three he one, might, he gets there probably. He might get it coming yeah. back from Achilles. Literally, no one's come back from Achilles and been <laughs> right. Great. I, and if there's one player who could, it probably would be him. I think he'll be fine physically, but I think mentally and emotionally, he's still going to be the same guy where he's closer to Kawhi than he is to LeBron. I want to do my sure. job Ooh. and I want to go home. I want to be respected for the way that I do my job by my peers and by the fans. And I want to be left alone. I want to be treated like a regular guy. And that's just not how the shit works. <laughs> at least not when you're playing at the level that he is where, you know, you are a top two, three player in a league of the 300 best guys in the world. There's more to it than that. You have to be the pitchman. You have to be, you know, the, the social conscience. You have to be so many other things that have to do with shit that you just don't like doing. But do you have to be that or is that something that LeBron's pivoted to? Because I don't remember Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan being the social conscience of the league. Well, I think, yeah, Michael Jordan definitely was like decidedly apolitical. But when it came time to, you know, speaking on issues in the league and about the league. Oh, okay. Yeah. Michael Jordan was still, you know, pretty much sovereign. Where like whatever I say, you know, is what it is. Kobe Bryant, I mean, just by the position that he put himself in, he was not allowed to be that guy for uh, for a decided amount of time. Sure. And then towards the end, when he did start to, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel, I, I think that that's when he made a conscious decision to say, hey, you know what, let me enjoy the ride. Let me get people to know me. And yeah, I will have opinions on other things because I'm not completely consumed with myself and with my goals. All right. I think we should call it a a show here. Sure. (laughs) Miles, I appreciate your time. I feel like we could probably go for four hours. I mean, I... Have nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> Just reopen that bottle of wine. I say, do you have something else? Do you have anything else you want to you want to bring up? I know we've kind of gone through our rundown, but do you have anything else that that you want to talk about? I, I ain't got shit to do either. I mean, just. How much Twitter sucks. It used to be so fun, man. Now I just dread opening that thing. Ethan, Ethan. So Ethan Strauss um, brought up a good point a few months ago, or actually a year or so ago, about how like, like I don't even tweet anymore. Like from him saying this, like I don't even tweet anymore because like, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? And I like, I, he's like, and people also don't get takes off anymore, and it's like not not so much a take of. Steph Curry has no finals MVP, so he's not a top 50 player in the NBA history. Not that type of take. The type of take where it's like, you know, like a legitimate take. Like, hey, James Harden probably needs to, to work on his mid-range jumper to become like a, a, a better offensive player in the postseason. Like that type of take. Too right? much so he's nuance. Like, Boo, nigga, get out of here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a fan of that take. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like we haven't fostered the kind of environment to have those kind of conversations. Right, right. Where... You know, it's weird because Twitter is for everybody and it ain't for everybody. And the fact of like 
say the three of us were having this conversation in a bar and somebody happened to chime in, you know, we, we could choose to ignore them. But if like three, four, five more people just jumped in and they had opinions and then they started arguing in the middle of our <laughs> conversation, that's Twitter. And it's like, how can you get anything good out of that anymore? That's, that's, uh, that's, I think that's good. And a lot of people have conversations just to like have it on Twitter. Right. Where I mean, like it, go ahead. No, it's just like, there are things where it's like, yeah, you're just saying this, you're just tweeting this to someone else just so other people can see it. It's like, dude, we know, like, like we know, we know the point here. Like we know, we know, we know the deal. Um, it's just, it's not, because I, I started the podcast by kind of saying, like, I, I joined Twitter and I loved it. Like, I fucking loved it. Like, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about hoops. I learned a lot about politics. Learned a lot about, like, pretty much everything. And it was like, like, most of the times, uh, I actually met Sam because we were able to, like, just have a conversation and talk uh, on, you know, on the timeline or, like, in the DMs or whatever. And nowadays, it's like, sometimes I'll see Sam have a conversation on my timeline and he's like having a you, legitimate conversation. You just, middle, you just text me like, what the fuck are you doing? What the, I, no, I legitimately <laughs> text him and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you having like a real conversation? That's Nobody it, wants that. Twitter is the group chat now. That, that's where we do what we used to do on Twitter. And it's sad because it used to be fun when we were all just kind of, enjoying something rather than competing with each other and i guess my thing is is with the attention like people don't know what to do with it even when they get it like <laughs> it's always just you know the same hackneyed ass meme of like yo buy my mixtape like <laughs> nigga you, you don't have one you, you see you got all that attention <laughs> it's trash and now what like that's what people don't get is like in the end game like all you all you want is more and so then, like, what do what do we do? What's, 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 what's that? quote? Like, a person is rational, people are irrational, or so, something something to the realm of like, anytime you get people in a group, they act irrational. That's that's essentially what Twitter's turned into, right? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because there's also like a lot of outside like variables, like just the whole political landscape. I'm sure has made some people particularly punchy for like the last three or four years, Ooh. but. You know, 2016 and just the whole Durant thing and all of that shit. And then, then, then it was an election year on top of that. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's where things went wrong. And I, I don't think we can make our way back. Nah, there's no way. There, there just isn't. Because we're gonna we're gonna end with uh, we're gonna end with one take here. Steve Kerr disagreeing with Miles. Steve Kerr was on a podcast um, today, and he's talking about Andrew Wiggins. He was very good defensively for us. And now when Clay is back, we can match up. He's a really good passer. And that's something I didn't know until I saw him every single day. That bodes well when he's playing next to the two best shooters on earth. Kerr is going to make Wiggins a playmaker next year. I mean, maybe he will. All I saw Andrew Wiggins do was, like, you know, send his boys to get girls out of the stands for him and play with his dog on Instagram. <laughs> so, like, those are the skills that I'm familiar with. Him being in practice every day, obviously, he's privy to a lot more information than I was. So, you know, I wish young Andrew all the best. Look, man, I look, with Andrew no, Wiggins. No, no one was at Chase this year, so, you know, it's... 
No need to send anyone to stands. Yeah, you can, you can still get some thirst traps out there. Look, look, he didn't get his girl stolen by Jimmy Butler. I, I there is some kind of toughness with Andrew Wiggins. Right? I like he not cat. know if that's true. Like that's where I the cat rumor. Yeah, that I feel like I didn't do my due diligence as like a. I still don't even know what you call someone from Minneapolis. Is it a Minneapolitan or some <laughs> shit? Like I have no idea. But I, I should have. I should have worked harder to find out if that was a true thing. But do you want to believe it true? This is this is more important in 2020, I, not whether it's true or not. Do you want to believe it? To I be don't true? want to believe it because my thing <laughs> with Jimmy Butler has always been is that it's a righteous anger that this guy has, you know, where, hey, I work hard. I work hard to fucking keep myself in shape, to keep my skills intact, to compete and to know the game. And when people around me aren't putting in that level of effort, then I've earned the right to call them on their bullshit. I can always ride with you on that. But when you, you start fucking your teammates, girl, <laughs> then like, dog, like you, you're just an asshole. Like, I, I can't support that. Then yeah, everything else that people say about you is probably true. Ah, I can it, see it, Jimmy doing it and I love Jimmy, but yeah, that, that'd be a, it does really cross a line. Like there's, there's just, you're just you're just an asshole. It's the best way to put it's it. some that, Tony that, Parker that'll be shit. Title of this podcast, <laughs> Jimmy. Uh, uh, Jim, Jimmy is one of our favorite uh, love of the game. Like we can't decide if he's love of the game or love of the fame. We can't decide. But I think he's just he's an MVP in both. It's both because his love of the game produces that love of the fame. <laughs> Where you know he's so good at loving the game that it's given him <laughs> fame, and he loves that too. That's well. He's the perfect fifty-fifty of both. I don't think anyone else straddles the line better. No, I guess Kobe. Kobe's. The, I think Kobe's the goat. Kobe is the goat of the of the straddling. Mm. I think no? he leans more into the like. There's there's certainly some fame factors there, but he's the sheer fact he waited like fifteen years before he like let the world see everything <laughs> in a way that was pre-produced. I, I think mean, it leans more great. towards uh, it not being pre-produced. I think the, the interesting thing about Kobe was like, at least working in, you know, what I do now is you hear like how curious and involved and like engaging he was with that kind of shit. Most of the time you get an athlete on set, like they want to leave as soon as they get there, but they still want the thing to be amazing. Like, I don't want to do anything, but I want everything. It's like, all right, bet. Thanks. <laughs> Kobe was the exact opposite, where he was, you know, there early, he's asking questions, he's making suggestions, he's this, he's that, he's where you understand that that's just who that guy was. And that, that speaks more love of the game to me than love of the fame. Love LeBron's of the fame the, is just the, like, LeBron's the GOAT or love of the fame? Disagree? Agree? He's the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, Ain't nobody better. I mean, it's just like, I understand it though. We're like, how long has this guy been covered by national media? What, since he was like 15 years old? Since he had his Hummer, yeah. He's 35 years old now. And I mean, it just, it, it keeps getting bigger for him. Why, I could, it would warp me too. I'd be that same guy. I don't, I don't know anybody who would be different under those yeah. circumstances. It's going to keep going. He's going to own a team. He's going to do all that. It's like, he's going to own a team and it's not going to be like MJ on a team. You know what I mean? Like MJ on a team and he's like gone now. He's like vanished. Oh, is, it, is this is the uh, prophecy where he's going to be exactly like Dan Gilbert over involved and making all the wrong decisions? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I minus would... the whole like being a 
kind of what, what is it like uh, with Quicken and just kind of yeah. general scumbag with the loans, yeah, predatory no, I, loans. I think the thing about him, like that, I think about is like compared to a Kobe or compared to a Jordan, which you know is the company that he keeps. Michael Jordan, like you won't see that nigga for another ten years. He gave us the moment we needed <laughs> when uh, Kobe went down. And he was, you know, he spoke up like, hey, I am the one who has to fill this void. Dope. Thanks, Mike. He goes back in the house. You won't see him again until like fucking 2035. Kobe was obviously very satisfied in what he was doing, you know, like he wasn't seeking the spotlight for what he was doing with his kids and his his advertising or his books or whatever. It was just, hey, I need something to keep myself sharp, to keep myself going. LeBron and like. I don't know if he knows how to walk away like that. No, he not. Yeah. Like, He's not going anywhere. I, I don't think he wants to. I don't think he would even know what else to do if he wanted to. Like, can you name another interest of LeBron James? No, he's going to transition from ESPN to Bravo or E. <laughs> Stop <laughs> directing dramas. Um, <laughs> Steph Curry's going to be the type to retire and, like, do the Tim Duncan, where he just shows up maybe with, like, what, I, don't, the, I don't know, man. I, don't I think know. he's going to he be tro- the, trophy husband. Doesn't he have that uh, production <laughs> company? He's trying to make his shit. Now, I don't understand why every basketball player's venture is a production company. now. So Steph has one. Is that what you're saying? He, he has one. He has the SC30, right? Or whatever yep. it is. Him, KD. Uh, there might be more. I forget. But it's just, it's weird. We're like, only LeBron can do that. Just by the nature of the power and the connections that he has. Nobody... I don't know. Actually, maybe there is some wholesome family content that people want to hear from the Curry. <laughs> people do love. He gonna make a Christian. Is it stuff Christian? What is? It? I forget what he is. Yeah, uh, Christian uh, content. I guess he's, he's like not that. Muslim or Jewish. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> man I, I'm nothing, so I, I don't know how this. I don't know how this shit works. Yeah, no. He's just uh, you know, he's a good God fearing man. He's got a got a nice family. He's got what two point five children? You know, <laughs> got both his parents. He's just just a model citizen. You're the I only athlete see, that don't cheat. That's that's all I know. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. You guys remember, like, Focus on the Family channel? <laughs> like, oh. before my time. Yeah, well, that was, like, you know, your, your basic, uh, what do you call that? Like, wholesome Christian content. I could see him making a lot of <laughs> shit for them. Where, like, you know, he's talking with kids and doing that kind of stuff. Look, but, like, like look, let's, like, think, okay, let's spin it backwards a little bit. If, if you're, I think if he, you're... I think he's going the opposite way. I think he's going <laughs> to... I think he's gonna be a drill sergeant for for his son, his lone son. Got to keep Cannon. his legacy. Yeah, fucking names his kid Cannon with one end. Oh my god, I don't these names. This is why I don't have children. <laughs> well, I just I think a lot of the lot of the jealousy and hatred came too from from guys where it's like you look at Steph and you're like, holy shit! I guess this guy doesn't really have like does he have? I'm not saying the guy's flawless, but it's like, like damn, like. What? The same thing happened you know? to Curry that happened to Jeremy Lin. I, I think in a lot of ways it was the exact same thing. And dudes kind of had some lingering resentment towards him in that we think you're getting a lot of the love that you do because you don't look like us. Yeah, Marcus has told us that one. It's, it's hard but for me you, and Sam to have that don't conversation. You feel, um, don't you feel that's also – yes, it's, I, I don't feel comfortable having that conversation. Um <laughs> Damn it! These are the only conversations I actually like. Can we? Well, you, but you, can we tie it back to uh, Giannis though? Because Giannis may look, but he he doesn't have the same experience. I mean, 
the experience, I think, is a big one too. I feel like he he also gets that um, not in the club because he's yeah. interact. You know, just comes from a different background. Well, I think the interesting thing about him is where I can't talk about it. But can this be a sidebar conversation? Just well, so- we'll end we'll end the pod here. <laughs> <laughs>